step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. So let's talk about what the Bible is. How many of you view the Bible as just a religious book? How many of you view the Bible as the infallible Word of God? Yeah, I do too. How many of you view the Bible as a reliable history book? Yeah. We don't often think about that, but the Bible really is the history of God's dealings with man. And more often than not, it has insights into events that are happening in our lives today. One of the things that I wanted to share with you real quick, I just found it yesterday. Uh, it was just announced yesterday. I have not had a chance to verify it, so I don't know for sure if, the, if it's genuine. But there's an announcement that's come out of Egypt, out of Cairo University's fac Faculty of Archaeology. A group of scientists uh, led by Professor Abdel Muhammad Gator and that's the last time I'm going to try to say his name. <laughs> I have recovered a total of more than 400 skeletons, hundreds of weapons, pieces of armor, and the remains of two war chariots scattered over an area of approximately 200 square meters. Now, 200 square meters, and you think about that, that's about 10 yards by 20 yards, so that's not a very big area. It's a pretty small concentration. The team estimates that there's over 5,000 bodies dispersed in a wider area, which would be a huge army for its day. And it dates back initially to the time of the pharaohs, possibly the Exodus time. Now we know the story of the Exodus and how Pharaoh's army was swallowed up by the, by the ocean. But that's been one of the main arguments against biblical accuracy for so many years is because people say, well, look, there's no evidence for the Egyptian army being destroyed there. Where's, where's the bones? Where's the, where's the evidence that the army was wiped out? Well, it may have been found. Uh, Professor Gator and looked at some of the other clues that, that were around the site to think that they may be linked to the Exodus. And he said all of them died on dry ground because there's no traces of boats or ships but the positions of the bodies and the fact that they were all stuck in a in a vast quantity of clay and rock imply that they died in a mudslide or a tidal wave among the things that they found is a beautiful gold blade from an egyptian kopesh which was the curved hook that the, the weapon that the Egyptian soldiers would use. So anyway, like I said, I haven't, uh, I haven't had a chance to verify the findings and find out for sure if it really is the uh, remains of Pharaoh's army. But I thought you would all find that interesting. And it fits in nicely with what we're going to talk about this morning. 
Bible story starts at creation. And it covers a lot of ground in a very short period of time. And the first ten chapters, it covers creation, Adam and Eve, the fall of man, where, you know, the banishment from the garden, it covers uh, the Tower of Babel, Noah and the flood. And then, starting in chapter 11, we get introduced to Abraham. Now, Abraham is an interesting character. How many of you knew that Abraham was a revered prophet in Christianity? How many of you knew that Abraham was a revered prophet in Judaism? How many of you knew that Abraham was a revered prophet in Islam? Yeah. He was a revered prophet in Islam and still is. Among other prophets revered by Islam are Moses, Jonah, and Jesus. All revered prophets in the book of Islam, in the, in the, uh, the Koran. In the story of Abraham, we're going to talk about Abraham because it really describes in detail the history of the Middle East. And perhaps when we're done here, you'll understand a little more of what's actually happening in that part of the world right now today. You may think that sounds fanciful, but when you start to have an understanding of the history that goes into that region and the history of interrelationships and interactions with the people, you start to understand some of the conflict and where some of the conflict comes from. Abraham was originally called Abram. He was a descendant of Noah, of Shem's son, uh, Noah's son Shem, nine generations removed, according to the book of Genesis. He was the son of Terah. His, he had brothers Nahor and Haran. Uh, his brother Haran was the father of Lot, so Lot was Abram's nephew. Abram married Sarah, who is his half-sister, and she's also a daughter of Terah, the same father, but different mothers. And Sarah, as we know, was barren. Now, Terah, we're told early on in, in uh, Genesis 11, uh, took Abraham or Abram and Nahor and Lot and their entire entourage, their entire families, and they left Ur of Chaldeans to go towards Canaan. And they stopped in this place called Haran. I don't know if it's named for the dead, for the dead brother, but that's the name of the place. It's spelled the same. Um, the city of Haran is still there. It's in Turkey, about 10 miles north of the Syrian border, about 50 miles from the Syrian city of Aleppo. How many of you have seen that in the news recently? That whole region is right along the whole battle where ISIS is fighting right now. So Haran was also a very interesting city in that it was the center of worship of the moon god Sin. S-I-N, which I thought was very fascinating. Uh, what a great name. And it had continued to be the center of worship of the moon god Sen 
up until all of the temples were finally destroyed by the Mongols in 1300 AD. So it didn't stop being that during all of the period of time that the, the, the Greeks and Romans and, and all of the other people had control of that region, it did not stop uh, being a center of worship from the moon god. And God called Abram out away from Haran, away from that idolatry in Genesis chapter 12. And if you want to follow along, this is at the first part of Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and from your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all families of the earth shall be blessed. Now this is part of the, the promise that God made to Abraham. So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abraham took Sarah his wife, and Lot his brother, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that had that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abraham passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the Oaks of Morah. At the time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. And from there he moved to the hill country, on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abraham journeyed on still toward the Negev. The Negev is what we call the Negev Desert. It's that period or that area of land that continues down into the Sinai Peninsula. It's where the Israelites also wandered in the desert for 40 years as we talk about the periods of of 40 years, or we were talking about 40 days, but that's 40 years in there. Uh, just for historical reference, Shechem is about 40 miles north of Jerusalem. It would later become the center of the kingdom of Israel under Abimelech, Rehoboam, and Jeroboam. And of course, we know about the Negev Desert. Uh, one of the things that we didn't read directly into this, uh, but you notice that only Abraham and Lot and his group out of all the people that went to Haran, uh, Abraham's father and his brother and, and, and all of their entourages, only Abraham and Lot left that. The rest of them stayed in Haran. They stayed in that center. And actually, we go back to that point a little later on, because Haran was the home to Isaac's bride, Rebekah, we find out later in Scripture. It was also where Jacob fled when he was trying to get away from Esau. There he married Leah and Rachel with the daughters of Laban. And all of, all of uh, Jacob's children except Benjamin were born in Haran. So, interesting place, like I said, still there. History of the land. So 
remember Abraham 75 when this happened and God has promised him a land, a nation, that he's going to bless Abraham and make his name great and that he will bless all families of the earth through Abraham. And we know about that. I'm not going to spend much time on that, but, but that's the promise that God made. And remember, Abraham's only 75 years old. We'll get back to this in a little bit. One of the things I want to point out to you all is when you're reading the Bible and you're reading through things like the Old Testament and you come across place names and people names, write them down. Create a cross-reference for them. And when you run into them again, refer back to the notes that you have. You'll be surprised at how many places you find those people and those names come up and how many times a group of people will be referred to. We're going to run into those in a little bit. But how did Abraham respond to God's promise? When God, uh, when God called him out and gave him this promise, Abraham actually went. So he trusted God enough to go. And he went to Canaan, and he stayed there, and he prospered, and then came along a famine. And when the famine came, they heard there was food in Egypt, so they went down to Egypt. Now, how many of you know the story about the second time Pharaoh was plagued, or Pharaoh was uh, deluged by plagues from God? How about the first time Pharaoh was deluged by plagues from God? We know about that in the Exodus. But this is the first time actually here. See, Abraham was a little bit treacherous in that he's 75 years old. He's got a beautiful wife who also happens to be his half-sister. And he's concerned when he takes her down there that they're going to see how beautiful she is and they're going to kill him to take her. So he asked Sarah to tell Pharaoh that she's his sister, that he has her brother. And as a result of that, God afflicted Pharaoh with plagues. Um, verse 17 of Genesis 12, the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abraham and said, what is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So I took her for my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and he sent them away with his wife and all that he had. Now this isn't the same Pharaoh that was in Egypt uh, during the time of the Exodus. This is a different Pharaoh. This is a different time later. But this is the first time that God plagued Pharaoh, or gave Pharaoh plagues. So now you know that. There's another, another time. It happened more than once. So after Egypt, Abraham went back up to the Negev and ultimately back to Bethel. <coughs> and we were told that he was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. So he was, he was a very wealthy man. Lot also had a lot of flocks and herds. And there came into some conflict between Abram's herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen over the best grazing area. And Lot and Abram didn't want to have any bitterness going on. So Abram told Lot, you pick a spot and go. When you go that direction, I'll go the other direction. And we'll keep this strife from happening between us. 
So Lot looked around and he looked down into the valley of the Jordan River and he thought, ah, it looks like a good place. I'll, t I'll go down there. Well, that was also toward the direction of Sodom and Gomorrah, down towards the further south end. Lot looked at the valley and saw that it was rich and well watered everywhere and, and so he went there. Abraham stayed in Canaan, which is up by north of Jerusalem, in that area in there. Now at this point in verse 14 of, uh, I'm sorry, at chapter 13, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the, where, the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth. So that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also be counted. Arise and walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abraham moved his tent and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are Hebron. And there he built an, order to, an altar to the Lord. Now about this time, there's another event happening down there. And it's called the War of the Kings. It's a period of time when the... the King of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adam, and king of Zeboam, and the king of Bela all got into a big battle. And Lot was captured during this war. And the Amalekites and the Amorites were also captured. And uh, one of Lot's people escaped and told Abraham. So Abram rounded up his trained men. It says 318 born in his household went down and, and rescued Lot from the king of Sodom. After this, uh, look, let's uh, look at verse 17 of Genesis 14. After his return from the, the feet of, of Trudeau, I don't even remember to say the name, and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet Abram in the valley of Shava, that is the king's valley, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Melchizedek was a priest to the God Most High. And he blessed Abram and said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the God Most High who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything. And the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Well, give me the people, but take the goods for yourself. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten and the share of men who went with me. So Abram wasn't going to take any of the spoils from war. He gave them back to the king of Sodom. Now, in chapter 15 or of uh, Genesis, we find that Abram's promised a son. And uh, I'm not going to go through the details of that, but, but God promises him that he will actually have a son from his own household. And the area that they're describing... Uh, that where he talks about to this offspring I will give your land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. That's the region of land that was talked about that, that uh, Abram would be given. Uh, 
Uh, after he was promised a son, Sarah realized, you know, I'm old, I'm barren, I haven't had any kids, I can't have any kids. So the only way Abraham's going to have any kids is if I give him my handmaiden. And Abraham wasn't too quick to disagree. He went along with it, so he was just as guilty as she was in that regard, just as complicit. So after Sarah found out that Hagar was pregnant, there was some strife between the two of them, and Hagar fled from Sarah. But God made a promise to Hagar, who was Sarah's handmaiden. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur, and he said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant. You will bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He will be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he will dwell over against all his king kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are our God of seeing. For she said, Truly here I have seen him who looks after me. And Hagar bore a son to Abraham. And Abraham was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. Now 86 years, remember 75 when the promise was first given. He's 86 years old now, so it's been 11 years since God first promised him a nation and a land. Now comes the, circum the covenant of circumcision that God gives, and, and I'm not going to go into all of the details of it, but basically we all know what circumcision is, and this is where the Jewish ritual of circumcision comes from, is from this uh, promise that, that uh, or the covenant that God made with Abraham. And he changed Abram's name and Sarah's name. He changed them from Abram and Sarai to Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was 99 when the covenant of circumcision was given. Ishmael was 13. So this is about 24 years after the promise. So now we're getting a little bit of a distance, a quarter of a century nearly, from the time God first made the promise. But then God renews the promise of a son from Sarah. If, if you look at uh, chapter 17, um, starting with verse 15, God said to Abraham, As for Sarah your wife, she shall not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety-nine years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you, can call his, you shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, 
I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham, and Abraham took Ishmael his son and all those born in his house and bought with money every male among them, and he circumcised them and circumcised the flesh of the foreskin. And all of those, including foreigners who were bought with money, were circumcised. Everything that was part of it. So all of his slaves as well. Remember, God promised Abraham a son, but he said, I'm not going to forget Ishmael. Now, we don't hear a whole lot about Ishmael too much in the Bible beyond this. But there's another little part of the story. We'll come back to Ishmael in a few minutes. But there's another part of the story beyond this that I want you to know about. Next in the story comes the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we all know the story how God rained down the fire and brimstone and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And how Abraham bargained with God for Lot's life, basically saying, well, you wouldn't destroy it if you found you know, five righteous people there. Well, ultimately... The angels, an angel took, allowed uh, Lot and his wife and two daughters to escape. Lot's wife looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. So Lot and his two daughters were the only ones that escaped Sodom and Gomorrah. And of course, Lot's daughters, they've been used to all of the debauchery at Sodom and Gomorrah. And they're looking now going, well, it's just dad and us. How are we going to have offspring, how are we going to continue? So they get their father drunk and they each go in with him and they each get pregnant and have a child. And Lot's son Moab with his oldest daughter is the father of the Moabites. Now, where do we find and hear about the Moabites? Do you remember the story of Ruth? The Moabitess, she was a Moabite. And as we talked about a few weeks ago, it mentioned the Moabites and the Ammonites in one of the passages we were talking about. Well, the Ammonites were the offspring of Lot's other daughter, whose son was named Benami, were the sons of Ammon, and they became known as the Ammonites. So it's important to keep this stuff together. We'll come back to those again. Now... Lot decides to go down into the territory in, the, in part of the Negev between Kadesh and Sur, which is down in the southern part. And again, Abram's worried about his wife because she's so beautiful. Now, women, she's 100 years old, and he's still concerned about her being beautiful. So you got nothing to worry about. <laughs> so Abram does the same thing to Abimelech that he did to Pharaoh. He had Sarah tell him she's his sister. Well, God came to Abimelech in a dream by night. And he said to him, Behold, you're a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. 
Now, Abimelech had not approached her, so he said, Lord, will you kill innocent people? Did he, him not, he himself not say she is my sister? And she herself said he is my brother? And the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart. And it is I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, do not let you touch her now then. Return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you and you shall live. But if you do not return her now, you will surely die, you and all of yours. So Abimelech got up early in the morning, called all of his servants and told them everything that had happened in his dream. And he went to Abraham and said, well, what have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you that you brought this on me and my kingdom? Uh, you have done things to me that ought not to be done. And Abraham said, I did this because I thought there is no fear of God in this place. And they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she is indeed my sister. This is where we actually do find out that Abraham was in fact the or Sarah was, in fact, the, the sister of Abraham. Uh, same father, different mother. And when God wondered, caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, this is the kindness you must do to me. At every place to which we come, say, he is my brother. Then Abimelech took sheep and oxen and male servants and female servants and gave them all to Abraham and returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, said, Behold, my land is before you. Dwell where you, wherever it pleases you. And to Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. It is a sign of your innocence in the eyes of all who are with you, and before everyone you are vindicated. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, and also healed his wife and female slaves, so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed all of their wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah. So then we come to the birth of Isaac in uh, Genesis chapter 21, first eight verses. When Isaac was born, Abraham was 101 years old, 26 years since the original promise had taken place. And as Isaac grew up, of course, the more animosity flared between Sarah and Hagar. And it became a bit of a problem. And Sarah, this is in the beginning in verse 8 of chapter 21. Or sorry, uh, verse 9. Sarah saw the, the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, uh, laughing. Uh, and so she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman and her son, for the son of this woman shall not be heir to my son Isaac. And the, and the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son, because he loved Ishmael as well. But God said to Abraham, do not be displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you do, as she tells you. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named, and I will make a, a nation of the sons of the slave woman also, because she is your offspring. 
So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and skin of water and gave it to Hagar and put it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed into the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. Now, again, Ishmael's not exactly a child. He's a teenager at this point. Uh, then she went down and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. And she said, let me not look for death. Let me not look on the death of my child. She lifted up her voice and wept, and God heard her and heard the voice of the boy. And an angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand. For I will make him unto a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy, and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow, uh, living in the wilderness of Paran. And his mother took him, uh, a wife for him from the land of Egypt, which Hagar was also from Egypt. So... Remember the, that God had said that, Hager, that Ishmael would be a wild man and that he would be an in, enemy of those around him. Well, it might interest you to know that the Islamic people and most of the Arab, uh, Arabian people, most of the people in the Arabian Peninsula claim descendancy from Abraham through Ishmael. So we've got people that are all related. Interesting. And there's a reason that God set them apart from each other and set them against each other. After the death of Sarah and ultimately Abraham, we come back to Ishmael again in, in Genesis chapter 25. When Ishmael came back to be with Isaac during the time that Abraham was, was buried. Now, the Arab world, when it, after Ishmael left that region, uh, the people of Ishmael settled in what's now modern-day uh, Yemen, uh, Saudi Arabia, and that entire region, Iraq, all the way up, uh, possibly into Iran. So that entire region that's all in this foment of problems over uh, Muslim religion are descendants of Ishmael. And against the people of Israel, who are also descendants of Abraham, but descendants of Isaac through that. So remember when, the, when God promised that uh, Ishmael would be the father of 12 princes? Well, one of the tenets of Islam is the 12 princes of Islam. So they came from Ishmael. Now, in that entire region, of course, we've, you know the story of Jonah and, and how he went to Nineveh. Well, Nineveh also is a real place. Nineveh is next door to what's currently Mosul in Iraq. 
And not too long ago, you would have heard about on the news that the ISIS people destroyed the tomb of Jonah and Nineveh, where they blew it up and uh, uh, destroyed it. Now, that's also a region that's home to a large group of Christians that came, the Assyrian Christians, that, that region of Assyria that's across the northern part of the Middle East there. Uh, some of the earliest Christians were there. Some of them have been there for 2,000 years in that region and they're now being murdered by radical Islamists. But you know a little bit more about the story now. And the interaction between Judaism and Christianity and Islam. And it's a battle. Their battle with Israel is every bit their battle against Christianity as well. So don't think that because we are not Israel, we are immune from that. They view us as the great Satan, Christians and uh, Jews. And they want to see a worldwide Sharia law practice. So every nation in the world is practicing Sharia law. Of course, Sharia law says that if you are not a believer in Islam, you are an infidel and to be killed. So that's what they're doing. If you think that Islam is a peaceful religion, um, I got news for you. There's no such thing as moderate Islam. If you are following the Koran, if you are a follower of Islam and following the Koran, you must do what the Quran says, and that says that all infidels must be killed. So you must kill all Christians and all who don't believe in Islam. So one of the things that I thought was really interesting is uh, the extremists that are in uh, ISIS. One of those was described by a professor of Hebrew studies that he said that these extremists of Islam seem to love death. Well, Proverbs 8, 8, 36 says, all who hate me love death. Sounds familiar? Now that you know the history, do you have a little better understanding of why what's happening there is happening? Let's stand and sing our closing song. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.